You're listening to the Wildlife Photography Podcast with Rob Reed and Josh Galicki, bringing together the love of nature and photography. Episode 4, Photography Competitions. We discuss some tips and advice. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Wildlife Photography Podcast with me, Rob Reed, and uh, my co-host, Josh Galicki. Hi, Josh. How's it going? Hey, good, Rob. How are you? Good yeah, I'm good, you. thanks. Yeah, yeah, it seems like a, a while since we did the last one, actually. Uh, yeah. A lot's happened. <laughs> we, were, we, were, we were just talking about it off air for, for, for people that, um, that, are, that are tuning in and listening. We're recording this on the day that the latest UK Prime Minister resigned. So it's all sort of, it's all kicking off in the UK. So we, we've just been having a yeah, discussion about that and a bit of a, well, a bit of a giggle. <laughs> in a, in the in the in the best possible sense of a giggle, it's a very serious situation. But um, you know, you you have to laugh about these things sometimes. But uh, anyway, apart from that, everything's everything's great in the UK. <laughs> and I'm glad we could actually sit down and talk about photography and just to to take my mind off the chaos that's 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 going on. So. What I thought we'd do with this latest episode is that we'd, we'd talk about photography competitions um, and our experiences of them, obviously, from, uh, from my point of view, from running them, uh, and from Josh's point of view, from uh, entering the many competitions that he's entered over the years. And obviously now, you know, as a judge uh, for Wild Art, and really the whole point of the podcast is to try and give some sort of tips and guidance if you're thinking about you know, entering a photography competition, the sort of do's and don'ts and the advantages and, and that sort of thing. So uh, so that, that's what I thought we'd do for this episode. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, so, so Josh, you know, you've you've spent a long way. Well, you've, you've entered many, many photo competitions over the years. What, what's been for you? What's the main motivation for, for photography competitions? You know, a lot of it's personal. Uh, you know, it it varies from folks for folks, I guess. But for me, uh, I like to enter them. Uh, I like to support certain causes. Some of them support conservation. I think that's a good thing. Um, but outside of that, um, it's recognition. You know, I have to say, and I think most people would agree with that. Uh, for me, it's more about recognition, more about just you know, uh, healthy competition. I don't have high expectations. I'll submit what I think. Uh, is a good image or an image that I took over the past year that I think might be competitive or images and just see where they land. You know, I, mm. I, I think it's fun just to be a part of the process. And honestly, um, a lot of the competitions say there's so many more photographers. There's so much great imagery out there. It, it's fun to compete and be amongst, you know, so many great photographers and looking at what comes out and, and how you fare. So um, yeah. it, 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 it's the, the, the whole sport of it, I think is very intriguing. Uh, you're almost sort of measuring yourself against your peers, aren't you, with with photography competitions in a way? Although you know, we, we all know that that photography is a really subjective thing, and um, you know what one judge likes, another doesn't. And you know whether you win or you don't, you know, as I said, it's subjective. So you know, it's it's not necessarily somebody. Um, you know, it's not a criticism of your photography if you don't win, for example, you know, mm -hmm. it, and, and if you do win, fantastic. You know, you, you said so you get all that recognition, all that peer recognition as well. But uh, I, I think there are so many other elements to 
entering photography competition so many more positives that you can take out of it than just the winning you know the great british expression is it's not the winning it's the taking part it's mm. not because we don't win anything <laughs> but, but i think with with photography competitions that you know that that's a, a pretty accurate way of putting it because i think you can get so much more out of just being involved in a photography competition as i said great if you win or you get a prize or whatever but i think there's so many things that come out of being involved in a in a competition which we'll go on to talk about you know yeah. as, as, we, as we go through through the podcast so so as i said what i what i thought we'd do is 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 we we talk about you know the benefits we talk about the things to try and avoid and the things to to try and concentrate on just to give yourself a better chance because although we all say it, it's the taking part we you know we all like to win don't we um and although we know it's a subjective process there are things that you can do to improve your chances but i think what i would say right at the very start is if you are if you haven't entered photography competitions in the past or you have and you you haven't done very well and you're disappointed i think the the first thing is to say is that is to lower your expectations and to not to expect to win probably is the best place to be. I know that sounds pretty, you know, pretty negative from, you know, because you want to be positive about these things. And, uh, you know, I, you know, I can do this, you know, and, you know, I, I know my photography is good, but the, the chances of you winning a photo, it's a bit of a lottery when you think of all the really good photographers out there and all the good photography and the way technology is moving on and the amount that's out there at the moment. You know, it's 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 going to be difficult to make yourself to make your photography stand out, and to you know, and to, and to get into a situation where you are recognised as a winner, as a runner-up, as a you know, as a commended that sort of thing. You know, it's 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 a it's a tough gig. I mean, you, I mean, you know yourself, Josh. I mean, it, anybody who's seen your work and who follows you on Instagram knows what a consistently good photographer you are and the work that you you know, the, the work you produce every single year. And I know, you know, from our discussions and from seeing the stuff, how committed you are, you know, to the to the process and how much time you spend in the field. But how much success do you actually get at the end of the year when you look at all the images you've taken, all the images you've submitted to photography competitions and the results that you, you actually achieve, you know, at the, at the end of the year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. And I think, as you say, a lot of it has to do with expectations. And when I submit to contests, I don't have high expectations. If it happens, it happens. It's great if you get something or you get recognized. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, you almost see it on a daily basis. I know a lot of photographers, they'll post images on social media and they're looking for the likes or, oh, you know, how many thousands of likes or this didn't get as many likes. And we constantly have that pressure um, in today's age. And Frankly, a lot of images that do great on social media maybe aren't the right images for contests and vice versa. So we're always tested, I think, whether it's through social media, um, through certain types of online groups and so forth, where you're looking for that recognition and contests are no different. But again, having the expectations that are realistic and not expecting much, you know, as long as you love your work and you work hard and you're proud of what you do, shoot for yourself. And the rest will fall into place eventually. Um, there's certain things you want to be smart about, I think, with contests. 
and you know other areas as well even when it comes to social media posting but uh you, you, you should not have your expectations high because at the end of the day, it's very subjective. You should always shoot for yourself, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. But the thing is, you know, being involved in the process, uh, I think, and immersing yourself, you know, in that process is a, is a far more positive thing anyway. You know, mm -hmm. because if you're talking about, let's say, okay, so let's, let's talk about wild art, for example. Um, <laughs> obviously, you know, as, as I'm, as you know, I'm running it and you're judging it. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of an obvious benchmark um, for the discussion, but um, you know, it's, it's the people that are entering that competition, you know, who are doing well are generally the people that are enjoying the process and actually, you know, being awarded or being recognized in some way is just the icing on the cake for them. It's being involved, which is, is the main thing and pitting themselves against, you know, all that other great photography that's out there, taking ideas from what they're seeing, you know, pushing themselves to the next level because they, they actually think, well, I, I saw this and I saw that last month or I, I saw that in that competition. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Am I really going to have to up my game to, to compete with this? And, and as an organizer, you know, I get this myself, you know, I see all this, amazing imagery coming in and i i think to myself oh, how how am i going to you know compete with that i've got to think of you know new and different things to you know to 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 try and get my work recognized you know at the, at the same level and I, I don't think i succeed um but it's the whole process of trying and and putting that you know sowing that seed in your brain keeping your creativity going and making you look at things in different ways, you know, not keep doing the same thing over and over and over again in a very formulaic way yeah. is to try and sort of think of different ways of doing things. And I think that is one of the benefits of, of being involved in, in photography competitions is the way it makes you think. And, and I guess it's, it, in a way it's, it's rather like being involved in competitive sport, because if you're a competitive sportsman, it pushes you to be, better than your competitors because you have to be if you don't train hard if you don't you know if you don't have the right mindset then you're you know you're, you're not going to do as well you know as your peers and and i think it's the same with photography in a way yeah i agree it makes you a better photographer frankly when you're participating in these contests and you look at your imagery compared to you know other great photographers and top photographers it helps frankly and you know there's certain things that you know, whether it's benchmarking what's going on as far as the standard, looking or getting ideas from other images. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's helped me over the years, partaking in contests and also, frankly, judging. I get to see what's coming in. And frankly, you know, I've looked at over the past couple of contests, you know, some of the best imagery out there as far as wildlife photography goes, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Talk about space when we judged that a couple of months ago. I mean, the, the standard was through the roof. So not only participating, but also judging, it's made me a better photographer, you know, and, yeah. and it's a fine line. You don't want to copycat other images, but, you know, getting a better understanding of what's out there, what the standard is, different perspectives, it helps. The important thing is too, I think you want to build your own style. You don't want to mimic other photographers because Rob, you know, this, you've been involved in contests for many years now. Uh, if someone does it and they break ground with a new style that may get rewarded. But if somebody comes in and you try to continue continually copycat that type of style, it's not going to get rewarded and don't have those expectations. 
Well, I've got a I've got a list of do's and don'ts written down <laughs> in preparation for the for the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And and copycat images is is actually now you've brought it up is one of the don'ts for me. Um and, and I, I cite this example all the time when I talk about copycat images and, and I think I did a video, well, I know I did a video on it on the YouTube channel. Um if you see an image uh, in a competition that wins something or does really well, and it's a kind of groundbreaking thing that nobody's ever seen before. And the example I always cite, as I say, is diving gannets, you know, the yes. underwater shot. But anyway, the first time I saw that, I just thought, oh, that is amazing. I mean, it's just, why, why didn't I think of doing that? You know, it's just jaw-dropping. And then, so that did well in Bird Photographer of the Year um, for Richard Shucksmith, uh, based on the Shetlands, because he kind of was the pioneer of that image. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. Yeah. And so he did really well with that with that picture. And then the next year, I remember, we had lots of diving gannets entered. And they were great. I mean, you know, they this you know, you look at them and you go, Oh, this this really is brilliant. But the problem is you'd seen it before. Yeah. So you're not going to award it again because you're looking for something new again. So yeah. as nice as they are, yeah, oh, that's really great, but I've seen it. So let's move on for the next to the next thing. So what I would say is is steer away from copycat images. It's fine to take you know, when, when you see a style or you see someone doing something new and you go, ah, I, I could use that or an element of that and I could incorporate it into my style somewhere or other. Great. If you get a few little ideas, but come up with something different and unique, that's yep. that's what competitions are, are looking for. So, yeah, steer away from the copycat. So that was that was one of my my don'ts. So, I, I, I think of the musical analogy. You want to be Black Sabbath and Deep Purple. You don't want to be the end of Motley Crue or uh, Winger or Tess. Yeah, yeah. You know, you want to, <laughs> for, for all those, all those people that, yeah, all those people that know, know who those bands are. And, you know, not <laughs> Tesla or Winger. <laughs> yeah, you, you want to be, you know, or you want to be the Beatles, don't you? I mean, that's yeah. that's where yeah. you want to be. You don't want to be, yeah. I mean, all right, you know, Oasis did well, but do you know, do you know <laughs> what I mean? You're modern, well. Maybe Nirvana, right? You come back Nirvana. after so reinvent yeah. certain things, yeah. Right. Well, actually, that's a really good analogy because when you think of albums like Nevermind, yeah, you know, and um, uh, Sergeant Pepper, for example, we're talking about the photography equivalent of those, um, and it's no good re-recording Nevermind because it's been done. Yeah. So exactly. go and record your own Nevermind, yeah. you know, by 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 doing something else, and it's it's those things that stick in your mind. I mean, that album's. I mean, I just. <laughs> anyway <clears throat> amazing it's yeah it's one of one of my all-time favorites because it's just so groundbreaking and that's yeah and, and that's what i love about photography and when you see something new and you go that's groundbreaking that's what that's what we're looking for yeah and it's it's harder and harder because there's more and more people out there shooting and you know so much has been done over the past even five six years uh so much new ground has been broken I would find it hard to just 
you know, it's, it's hard to figure out what is next. I don't know what can be done, frankly, outside of what's already been done. And that's the challenge, right? That's, I, th I think people might be, might get a bit fed up with our, with our sort of heavy metal analogies as, as well. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you're right. Yes. <laughs> but I make no apology for that. <laughs> yeah. So I tell you, as we're on the, as we're sort of on the subject of don'ts, should we, should we go through my list? And 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 yeah. let's sort of let's sort of so so these are the things that I would try and avoid um, doing because they're not going to do you any favors. So if you're really serious about entering competitions or you do already enter competitions and perhaps you haven't done so well and and, and want to know um, what you can do to to improve your chances, then then let's run a few of the through a few of these things to try and avoid. So the first thing on, on my list, and this is a really, really big one, actually, um, is that the amount of times I see people who enter two or three versions of the same image from the same shoot because they can't decide which one's the best one. Well, let me tell you, <clears throat> the judges are not going to decide for you. What will happen is if you have two or three images from the same sequence and you might have an animal in a slightly different pose for example and you can't decide is it better with the mouth open or the mouth slightly closed or the head slightly turned this sort of thing you need to decide for yourself which one you think is the best shot because what will happen is if you enter three four five six or more i've seen at times from the same sequence, number one, you are you are wasting valuable entries you could be assigning to something else, and you've paid your money to enter this competition. But number two, what you are doing is you, you have enough competition already with everybody else that's entered the competition. So don't give yourself, you know, competition, don't, you know, compete with yourself by entering two or three images which are virtually identical or very, very similar. Because what will happen is the judges will look at them. One judge will like one, another judge will like the other version, and it'll, you'll end up falling between two or three stools, and that's not what you want. So this is a, I can't emphasize enough how important this is. Just choose one. Choose one. It doesn't matter whether the judges would have preferred the other one because they haven't seen it. You know, they, they, it can't be that different. And a lot of the times they're not that different. They're still amazing images. Just enter the one. Then the concentration is on that image alone. And, and that is the, you know, that is the best way to give yourself the best chance. Do not compete with yourself and save those and other entries for other photographs. So I can't emphasize enough how important that is. Yeah, you, you as the photographer um, have to make the decision on what's the best image in that sequence. Don't leave that up to the judges. It creates, as you say, Rob, so many other issues, frankly. I often wonder, too, is this symptomatic of, you know, the amount of photos that can be entered in some contests? You know, some contests you can go 25, some 50, some you can buy another pack and put in 100. <laughs> so, yeah. and, and, if you're, and you have all these entries sometimes. I think folks are like, well, I want to fill all the slots. I paid for them, right? So you know, let me hedge my bets. This was a good sequence. I'll add two or three in there. And frankly, as you say, you're competing against yourself. You're that's a, that's a great phrase, actually. Hedge your bets. Yeah. Yeah. Don't hedge your bets. That's right. Put your, put yeah. everything behind one image from that 
sequence and then move on and pick something else because you're going to give yourself the, a much better chance by entering you know a completely different image and here's here's the thing actually i have spoken to a lot of people who have ended up doing really well with an image and they said do you know what well, the funny thing is that was a last minute thing i had one or two entries left and i thought oh, i'll put that one in because i might as well use all the entries that i've got and they ended up winning something with it that <laughs> happens more than you you know would think is possible actually it happens a lot so that comes on to another one of my points actually is one of my do's actually so let's be positive about this if you've bought a 10 image package enter 10 images but make sure you choose the you know good images but enter 10 because you just never know you might not think it's your best image but it's not about what you think is about what the judges think. So use your entry allocation. Don't leave one or two because you, you'd be surprised. I said the amount of conversations I've had with people like that, you just, you just wouldn't believe it. As a contestant, I've had images submitted that were not, you know, my personal favorites, but I put them in thinking, well, it can't hurt. And those images did better than what I would have expected. So yeah, there you go. it happened to a lot of people. Um, and that's a great point. Because the thing is, you know, you you know your photography really well. You've taken the picture after all. But you're not the best judge of your own photography. Yeah. You know, and, and different people have, uh, you know, like different things, look at things from a different perspective. And that that's the problem I think we have as photographers. You know, we... You know, we get so attached to our our images. We we were there when we we took the thing, obviously. So we don't look at them subjectively enough sometimes, and that's not a criticism. That's just a fact, you know. And and if, you, something you're never going to get away from. You know, you somebody looking at some of your imagery has they're seeing it for the first time. You know, you've you were in the place when you took the picture. You've selected that image from, well. We were talking last time, you know, about the thousands and thousands of images we now have to choose from because of the technology. You know, so you've selected that image from the however many images you took at the time. You've processed that image. You've sat on that image. You've seen it again and again and again. Mm -hmm. So it's not the first time for you. Yeah, there's an emotional story mixed in. And one thing I will say, and I've been caught up in this, and I know many photographers who've been caught up in this. If there is a detailed backstory, I was in a blind, it was muddy, it was negative 10 degrees, and I waited for hours and hours, and I finally got this shot, and I worked so hard for it, and it was such a great story. There's so much emotional investment in that shot that that shot may get a you know greater weighting to be submitted in a contest over a shot where, well, I went to a park, and you know I guess folks were feeding the ducks. I laid down, I got a great shot, but that shot... It might be better than the other, but they're still going to go for the other shot because it has a better story. They worked harder for mm. it. If you're looking at your the judges in contests and, frankly, any viewer, they're looking at the outcome, that shot. They're not looking at what's behind it. Frankly, they don't know what's behind it. And I think emotional attachments to images, stories behind images can cloud photographer's judgment, I think, in terms of how good that, Im that image actually yeah. is. It's a huge problem. I've seen yeah. it a lot. It is. I mean, you know, there are there are judges in wild art who, uh, you know, I won't name names, but who say, I don't care what the backstory is about this yep. image. I don't care. I just care about the image. And that's what I'm judging. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so don't give me the, you know, I'm not, but there are, there are other people that like to know how it was taken. So, you know, judges, are, and, and, and here's the thing, judges are different. You know, we're all different. We all look at different things and that's what you have to appreciate. And that's when, you know, when we said right at the start, you know, if, if you, you know, if you don't take rejection very well, then perhaps photography competitions aren't for you because get used to rejection people. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's simply because people are, you know, judges are so different. They look at things in a different way. It's so subjective. And you've got all this competition in the first place from so many amazing pictures. And you have no idea when you enter a competition what else is being entered. So mm-hmm. you may well have an absolute killer shot. Yeah. But so, so might somebody else. Yeah. And, and in all likelihood, they have. <laughs> that's that's the nature of it, you know. You, you know. I mean, I, I, well, you know, we've all been there, haven't we? And got pipped at the post, you know, but by, by another image, and you just sit there and go, well, do you know what? You know, I can understand why. Yeah. You know, don't like it, but I can understand. <laughs> I can understand why. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway. So what's next on my list of well should we should we go for another don't actually? Yeah, it sounds good. Uh so let's start with the negatives first, the don'ts. And one of one of the other big don'ts for me um is the sort of social media thing. Now, I've spoken about this before, and I know how tempting it is. You go out and you've taken something that you're really, really proud of something you might have been working on for ages, and it comes off. The first thing you want to do, and I'm exactly the same, is you want to put it out there on social media and go, look what I've just taken. Isn't it amazing? But if you're thinking of entering that into a competition, think very carefully about you know, doing that before you do it for the simple reason that photography is all about impact. And if you have an immediate very positive impact on a judge you've got a very good chance of going into a sort of shortlist and then progressing to the next stage of a competition now if if somebody if a judge has seen an image before that lessens the impact of seeing that image for the first time so think about that you know and when you start thinking about it you know the the conclusion is obvious it's you know if you want the maximum impact then it has to be the first time that judge has seen that image so i would personally if competition photography is your thing and you're really serious about it i would put images that i select for competitions to one side and not share them on social media and not even share images from a sequence you know, so, you know, it is completely fresh. And when a judge sees it, they've seen it for the first time, and you stand the best chance of having the maximum impact. And I think that's a really, really big one. And I know a lot of photographers who are really serious about competitions that do that. And if you can hold back and you do insist on posting everything on social media, my other piece of advice regarding social media would be don't go by the likes. Uh, photographers will say, oh, well, this shot had so many thousands of likes. It's got to be my best shot. I'm going to enter this in a competition. Only you know what's the best in terms of your work and, and what should do well in competitions. And frankly, 
uh, Instagram, which is the main standard now, unfortunately, it's kind of gone to TikTok, but still that's where most photographers are posting their material. It's a small little square, it's on the phone, things that are uptight, portraits, animals in the center of the frame, frankly do best. That does not mean they're the best images. Everybody knows that. If you try to post an environmental shot uh, or something outside of a tight focus on the face of an animal, it's probably not gonna do as good. It's not meant for that type of media, unfortunately. So don't go by the likes. The more likes you have for a certain image does not mean it's more competition worthy than your other work if you insist on posting it. No, absolutely. And uh, and the thing is, you know, your followers follow you because they like your photography. So what's going to happen? You know, you're not you're not looking at a, a sort of subjective selection of people because those people already like you and they like your work. So what's going to happen? You're going to put something up. They're going to like it. How many, how many people just start photographing and, you know, your family, this happened to me when I was photographing years ago when I first started, all of your cousins, uncles, family member, you should be shooting for National Geographic. <laughs> so, That's yeah. amazing. You know, you're incredible. You're the best things in sliced bread. Yeah. But what, I mean, not being, you know, I don't want to be horrible, but what the hell do they know about? Exactly. You know, yeah. they, they, they don't, you know, and they're biased. Clearly, you know, and we've we've all been there. I mean, <laughs> as I said, if I had a pound for every like I got on Instagram, I'd be on there every day posting everything I could. But it doesn't yeah. work like that, does it? No. Yeah, and, it, and so, it's all about the personality of the photographer now more than it is about the work, in my opinion. Yeah, with reels and you're building up a brand, and you know, uh, it's about what's behind the lens versus what comes out of the lens these days. At least as far as uh, Instagram goes, and most social media is going that way. Yeah, well, we we could we could talk about that one for a, a very long, long time, and we have we have actually, <laughs> and not been so polite either. <laughs> oh dear! The other thing, the other don't. So let's get rid of the don'ts first. Uh, the other thing I wouldn't do if I were you, and and the thing, and, and actually this ties into social media quite nicely as it happens because it's very very easy to contact judges these days because we're all on social media um and you know anybody can message send you a direct message but don't be tempted to contact the judges directly um and ask them questions or whatever I, just just don't do it you know I, I i it has happened on the odd occasion but yeah i i would steer clear of doing that because you're not going to help yourself so uh, yeah yeah, that's, that always comes off as, you know, a blatant, obvious move to gain an advantage, yeah, frankly. Exactly. Human nature, it, it never works. No, it never works. How, however many um, bottles of scotch they might want to send you, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> now we're talking. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, Andy Rouse always says, you know, bribery, that's different. <laughs> <laughs> There's a difference between flattery and bribery, I guess. Exactly. Uh, so let's get on to some of the do's then let's be let's be you know let, now we've got rid of the negative stuff well actually it's all positive isn't it because it's like you know, it's, it's, it's all try and avoid yeah. it's try and avoid doing this rather than the don'ts um i think one of the biggest things for me in in do do this is oh my dog's just arrived sky's just arrived for a for a for a for a stroke Anyway, sorry, <laughs> distraction. Um, it, one of the first things for, for me, one of the most important things for me 
uh, in all aspects of life, actually, not just photography, is just you need to be a perfectionist. So if you're entering an image into a competition, and I have seen so many examples of this where I, I've just almost hung my head in my hands and, and just thought, you, someone has taken a great deal of time, spent a great deal of money to get to a location um, to get an amazing picture. And then they haven't focused on tiny little details like removing a dust spot or leveling up a horizon. And you, and those sorts of, it, it, it really annoys me actually that you think for, cause I feel so um, you know, frustrated for that person that, you know, you've done all this hard work, the processing apart from those little things is, is great. But there's a dust spot. You, why did you not remove that dust spot? Why did you not level that horizon? Come on, this is a competition. It needs to be as perfect as you can make it. So keep looking back at your images again and again and again. And actually, this brings me on to another point, is that when you have taken an image and you've processed it, sit on it for a bit, then go back to it and review, and then go back again and review. You know, have I processed process this in the best way that I could? Have I made any errors? How, is that horizon straight? Are there any dust spots? Are there, is there anything else I can do to improve that image? Have I chosen the right frame from the sequence? Let me go back and again before you actually enter that image into the competition. You know, Think about it really, really carefully. Take, taking a break and coming back to an image gives you a fresh perspective on it. Versus just, you know, working on it and then moving on, uh, it, it undoubtedly helps. And I'm with you, Rob, when you see the crooked horizons and you think, look, with wildlife photography, unlike landscapes, it, you know, there's always going to be a little bit of cropping for the most part with some rare exceptions. And, you know, as you crop, you know, you're, you're frankly composing the image in a way based on how you decide to crop the image. If you want to bring it in a little bit, you should always pay attention to the horizon. You should always pay attention to dust spots. And striking that balance of what's the right amount of post-processing. There's always two extremes. There's the, well, I, I shoot my images in RAW, I do a conversion, and that's it. I don't touch anything. It is what it is. It's, it's you know, this is how wildlife photography should be. We, there shouldn't be any processing. And then on the flip side, you have folks who process for days and <laughs> spend days on an image. And you can tell when you look at it, it's been juiced, it's been over-processed, and it's not a reflection of reality. You know, again, it's very subjective. You know, for me, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Um, a raw image is a flat file. It's meant to be processed. Yeah. I think when it comes to processing an image, the most important thing you can do is proper dodging and burning, understanding how to manipulate the eye and usage of light. There's contrast. There's some color saturation, noise reduction. I think that all falls to the side. But on how you utilize light, um, how do you utilize emphasis on highlights and shadows? That means the most. Um, a little bit of grain, who cares? You know, some folks do more noise, noise reduction than others. But um, I think it's striking that balance and doing the right amount of post-processing, not manipulating it to something that's fake, but at the same time realizing you have a flat file, you want to bring out certain colors and you want to bring the viewer's eye to however you want the story to whether it's the eye of the subject or whether it's up through a diagonal line however you want to compose it that's um that's how you need to post-process to emphasize and yeah make that, impact. That there's there's as much skill in post-processing as there is in taking the image in the first place 
absolutely. You know, and and one of my, actually, this is another don't. I'm going to bring in another don't here. Um, the amount of files that I see where the, uh, what I call it is that sort of um, spinal tap saturation slider <laughs> where it goes to 11. <laughs> and, you, and, and the thing is, it's just a global thing. Somebody's grabbed the saturation slider and globally saturated all the colors and they've created something that is not of this world Yeah, because they try to give it more punch. Uh, you, you, the post-processing needs to be more subtle than that. Yeah, um, so subtlety goes a long way with yeah. juice so much. I, I see all these shots, especially on Instagram recently over the past few years, backlit silhouettes, especially when you have, you know, a golden sky or a red sky, they, it gets so juiced. It looks nuclear. It's like, where's the mushroom cloud at this point? <laughs> you know, um, subtlety goes a long way. It's often overlooked. But um, when you look at an image, too, I think an image should have different forms. of. There should be different layers in there. You want to peel back the onion. Though some of the best shots have many different layers you want to peel back. You look at a shot, and sometimes it has a lot of impact, but that can go away really quickly. And obviously, that's the goal when you saturate, and you really want the colors to stand out. But uh, at the end of the day, it can be very superficial. Yeah. One of the biggest mistakes I see um, in competitions is the wrong well is is the right picture but in the wrong category mm -hmm. so by by right picture i mean a really good picture but it's just been entered in the wrong category and judges often get really frustrated about this when i when i when they ask me can we move it to another category and i say no simply because part of the skill of a competition from my perspective is that you need to understand what the category is asking you for. And it's unfair on everybody else who have chosen their images really wisely that fits, you know, it fits the category brief better. Um, you know, to, to move an image from another category into that category just because you like it, that's completely unfair because, you know, you're not, you know, you, you're yeah. I, I just just think you're not being fair on those other photographers who've chosen the category wisely. So I have always, and I did this in Bird Photography of the Year, and I do it in Wild Art. I always refuse to do that, and I know some other competitions do do that because they they want to show the best images, and they want any excuse they can to show them. So they will move them from if they don't think the category is right. But personally, I I, I just think that's wrong because you know part of the skill of a competition is choosing the right category for the right photograph and that's a real skill yeah. but photography competitions you know it's it's partly skill but it's, it, there's a lot to do with skill and that's one of the skills you need to to think about and develop and think about the cat what so the takeaway from this is is to think about what the category is asking you for really carefully and don't try and make an image fit a category just because it's a good image. You know, choose, you know, choose the images that best fit the category. So don't try and sort of reverse engineer it. You've, you know, yeah. you've, you've got to, you know, you've, you've got to think what the category is asking you for. And some, in some instances, mm -hmm. go out and deliberately shoot for that category, you know, with that category in mind. And I know people that do this. Mm -hmm. You know, they look at a they look at a competition. They go, right? I'm going to, you know, target those categories. Yeah, and in most cases, it's obvious. 
but in some cases it's not. I mean, take the categories in wild art this year. If you went out and had a great wide angle shot with the environment and the animal was small in the frame, well, naturally that's not going to go in eyes. But there's other, other categories where, you know, if you have, for instance, uh, I don't know, maybe an elephant on the Mara backlit, incredible sky, great textures in the clouds. I can go potentially, would it work in color? Would it work in silhouette? Would it work in light? Maybe it works in all three, but at the end of the day, what category does it work best in? So there are areas where you have an image that's great and it can work in multiple categories. It's figuring out though, where does it best fit the brief? And yeah. it's, it, as you say, Rob, it is, it, it's, it's an art and it's a major decision to make on the, on the photographer's behalf. And the decision should, should be incumbent on the photographer and not the judges to move it around. I agree. And you're right. There's yeah. other contests that reserve the right to move photographs around. That's happened. Yeah, to I, 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 and I know it's been done. It's yeah. happened to you. I know it's been done because <laughs> I've seen it. Yeah. Um, and, and personally, I've, I've always thought it's, that's, that's not play. That's not cricket. <laughs> <laughs> because I just think, you know, that the skill of a competition or part of the skill of a competition is choosing the right category for your image. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so what I would do if I were entering a competition, I'd look at the category. I'd look at what they're asking for. I would go back if that category has run before. I know with wild art, you know, we, we change things around a little bit just to keep everybody on their toes. But, I, you know, I would look at what's been entered before and the sort of things that, that judges have chosen to to get a flavor for that category and and ask yourself you know, does my image fit there are instances and this has happened with wild art as well you know i'm sure where you've taken a really good image but it doesn't fit any of the categories in the competition or in that case my advice would be look for another competition mm -hmm. you know where it does fit because that's you know you give yourself the best chance of doing well that way and i think your advice rob on researching the categories is also the same advice you can apply to researching competitions. Anyone who looks at, and again, there's major competitions that are out there, wild art is included. You look at the results of competitions, certain competitions undoubtedly reward behavioral shots, whether it's the big five or these strong action scenes or scenes that have high impact between you know, two animals or multiple animals. There's a, there's a trend there. Other contests don't necessarily go for the behavior. It's maybe the more artistic, the more abstract. Other contests go more for photojournalism, whether it's, you know, the plight of an animal, whether it's pangolin. So uh, do your research on the contest. As contests have their own styles when you look at it, or trends of what they're looking for. And that's normally indicative of the judges and maybe, you know, the, the focus of the contest or the theme of the contest. So, yeah. and, it, and that helps inform me as a contestant when I, there are certain shots I have that I will submit to one contest, but not the other. Not that it doesn't fit the brief. It fits the brief in both. But I know, uh, just based on the history, what they're looking for. Some are behavior, some are not. Some are artistic, some are not, and so forth. Yeah, and, and actually researching the judges as well. Yeah. Because they're the ones that are judging your images after all. So if you go, I mean, I know that, that Gail Bisson does this. Um, you know, is you know, any competition that she enters, she researches the judges, she goes through their Instagram profiles, she goes through all their social media, and she looks at the things that they like. And that's, that's smart. That is smart, because then you get a feel for that, you know, who, who's, you know, you get a feel for the person that's judging, or the people that are judging your photographs, uh, and, and the sort of styles that they like.
Yeah. I mean, you know, all, all these things, you know, you, you just, you know, even if there are sort of two or three things that, that sort of push the needle a little bit further in your favor, it's worth doing. It's, it's like anything, you know, take it seriously. Mm -hmm. you know, if, if you want to do well, you know, and, I, and the amount of emails that I get, you know, that, that say oh, I've been, you know, I've been entering and I haven't, you know, I, I don't understand why I'm not getting any traction. Um, you just, it, it's difficult, you know, I mean, look at the top 100 images in wild art, for example, that come out every month. And when I look at those lists, I just think, ah, man, and the amount of photography that we've had to turn away from those, you know, that you, that I really liked and the other, and the other judges really liked, you know, it's, it's, incre it's incredibly difficult just to get there, you know, yeah. and when you think that, on average, you know, and I make no no secret about this, on average we get maybe a thousand images in for every category. You're thinking, well, that's one in ten. That's a really good hit rate for yeah. and look at the standard. And when you think about that, it's like, well, we've got nine hundred others that aren't in that list. And and then it really starts to sink in, you know, how much work and research and you know needs to go into this if you're really serious about doing doing well. And it's a double-edged sword too. And I'll, I'll be frank, I'll speak bluntly. I think there are certain competitions also that I've seen that exist that frankly, in my opinion, don't reward the best images. They reward more mediocre images. There's a lot of contests that have such great outcomes when it comes to imagery. It, it's intimidating for photographers and photographers are like, you know, I, I'm never going to meet this standard. I'm not even going to apply. But these other contests are, don't have as high of a standard. There is a market out there, frankly, for that. And I've seen it. Um, anybody can see it who knows wildlife photography. Certain you, contests reward better images. And sets do, you, do you know that they're, they're – be careful what I say, I suppose. But <laughs> <laughs> that's a really interesting point because I tell you now that uh, it's happened that the contests will award – images mediocre images should i say simply because they don't want people to get intimidated because after all when you think about it it as a as a competition organizer the more images that are entered into a competition the more successful that competition is going to be commercially because it it needs to make money i mean you know this is it's it, at the end of the day it's it, primarily these are businesses um, and, and their businesses are there to make money. So the more entries you can attract, the better. And, you, you know, to your point, Josh, you know, the, 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 the overall standard, the better it gets, the more intimidating it gets for the majority. Mm -hmm. So therefore, you're almost, um, you know, creating a real problem for yourself as an organizer in entry generation because you know they said the more intimidated people feel the less images yeah. you're going to get um and you need you you know you need a volume of images to sustain you know the commercial basis of the competition um you know the sort of comment that i made uh, right at the start about don't enter similars from a competition organizer's point of view, if I put that hat on, and you, if you want to enter five images that are virtually the same, you're paying for that. So from a competition organizer's point of view, that's great. You know, that's good news. From a from a if you from advice from entering a competition, if you want to do well, 
And this is my whole focus for wild art is not necessarily, I mean, yes, it needs to make money. Of course it does because it needs to, you know, it just needs to, to make money to exist. I mean, it's the reality of it, but my primary focus with it is to take people on a journey and take people on a journey of improvement in their photography and an ins and inspiring people in their photography. And I don't believe in being disingenuous yeah. and dishonest by trying to um, tell a different story, you know, and say, yeah, great. You know, oh yeah. The more images you enter the exactly the same, the more chance you've got. It, it's yeah. nonsense. It's not. And, and as a contestant and a judge of contests, I can tell you that I, I, I have much more respect for a contest that is focusing on merit and awarding the best photographers versus, and a lot of photographers out there understand there are competitions out there. It's a grab bag for money to raise money for other things internal to the organization and have rights to a bunch of photos that you can use for calendars and other things. So um, you don't want that impression. And I think from a, I think it's much better that there's pros and cons on both sides, but at the end of the day, as a contestant and as a judge, you want to be involved in contests that um, strive toward the merit and strive toward recognizing the best imagery out there. That's, you know, it's not, maybe it may not make the best business sense, but it's always the best thing to do in my opinion. Yeah. Now, another big thing, um, and I think it's really important that people don't do enough actually is make sure you read the rules. <laughs> And actually, your comment about, you know, rights grabs, if you like, for contests and, you know, because there are contests out there that and a lot of them are the free contests. And there are a few that I can think of that basically if you enter your images, they effectively have copyright on them and they can use them in whatever way they want to. So make sure before you enter any competition, you read the rules thoroughly. I know it's a ball ache because, <laughs> you know, there are a lot of rules. But they're there for a reason. And I think that, you know, you need to understand what you're getting yourself into. And you also need to make sure that you don't infringe any of those rules. Uh, and I've had, to, I've had to do this, right? There's nothing worse than judges choosing an image and it's won, and a, you know, it's won a prize or whatever. And then you find out that it's infringed some rule. And you have to disqualify it. Yeah. It's absolutely gutting, I can tell you. Um, but it's necessary because you can't have rules and then not enforce them. <laughs> you know, it's... you look at the raw image. What happened to those trees and those other birds that were in the? Oh, I used the clone tool, and yeah, I know. It's, yeah, uh... it, it, exactly. And and yeah. you know, if if there's a rule about cloning, and ah, oh, I tell you, we could we could do a whole podcast actually <laughs> on on cloning and yeah. and and those sorts of things because it, it you know ultimately yeah, removing the odd little twig or whatever isn't really affecting the scene that you saw in front of you but the problem with that is how far do you go how do you then say oh it's got to be no more than a certain percentage of the frame then you've got to police that rule you know oh. it's, it's so it's much easier for competitions to say no cloning in, so in, in that example what's so amazing robin we could spend hours on this too how wildlife photography and nature photography in general has evolved to be very fundamentalist in terms of what can can or can't be done in imagery versus food photography or fashion photography where you know the complete opposite is the case and if you want to talk about manipulating reality well if you're shooting at f28 and you're blurring out your background is that what you see in the field no 
no. you can take something that is in focus in the background and apply Gaussian blur and, and Photoshop. And isn't that the same philosophy, you know, hypothetically speaking of than using an F2.8. Yeah, you you know, there's so many great areas there when it comes to this we, stuff. We, we should do a podcast on this. You know? we, should, <laughs> we should do an episode on <laughs> Because honestly, it's so emotive. Yeah. And, you know, you, you have people on on either end of the spectrum and everybody in between. Um, you were talking earlier about, you know, just taking a raw file, not doing any processing. And it's like the pure, you know, the absolute purist. In, oh, you can't do anything to it. Well, yeah. no. And actually, what do you think people did with film? Do you think they, yeah. they didn't develop that film? Do you think they didn't dodge and burn in the dark room? You know, of course they did. You know, the raw file is there. Uh, it's the information that you then work with to create, you know, the image that you had in your mind and what i say to people when when they say how much manipulation is you know is actually allowed because it's a really really difficult thing to legislate for for in a really accurate way and my answer normally is well you know you you have to represent pretty much what you saw in the field if you are if you're not doing that and you're manipulating it in a in a way that 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 doesn't show what you actually saw, then you've probably gone too far. Mm. You know, yes, you can bring out certain and highlight certain parts of a photograph. You can change, you know, the color temperature if you like to give it a bit more of a cool feel or a warm feel, whatever, you know, but it sort of emphasizes what you had in front of you at the time. I think that's fine. Yeah. And, and, you, and it's just, you know, I guess you could say it's science, maybe is that the right term, but the dynamic range in your eye is much more expansive than any camera sensor. So yeah, I mean, if, if especially when you have skies and you have foregrounds, there, there's always things you want to bring out or bring down. And, you yeah. know, so yeah, I think it is possible. Folks will say, well, what you saw in the field or what your eyes saw or what your eyes have seen, it, it's, the, it's the image, what are you talking about? Well, no, it's not, you know, the eye, we have a bigger diameter, we have a yeah. wider dynamic range in any camera sensor does. So um, there are things you should manipulate in my Yeah. But I think as long as you're not misrepresenting a scene, I think that's, that's the key. You know, if you, you know, if you've changed the background or you've or introduced like, elements or whatever, well, you know. stuff and eater and posting it on, or <laughs> <laughs> mounting it on. Or, or you've got a pet wolf or something, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's not photo manipulation, I guess it's more and, and subject you know, manipulation, but Hey, you're right. And ethics is another thing. I mean, you know, as a photographer, the the most valuable thing you have and you submit in these contests it's your word you know you want to be ethical you shouldn't make things up but uh, you know you should be true to form and follow the rules and it you know if you don't follow the rules and you're trying to get one over on the judges of the contest don't do it you know yeah, it's eventually going to catch up to you do, do you know what do you know you're only cheating yourself yeah and i actually think that i you know i guess there there are circumstances where people have got away with things you know, that they shouldn't have done and it hasn't been picked up. I mean, that anteater, for example, could have, you know, could have happened. It could have got away with it. Mm -hmm. So what motivates people to do that? And what, how do they, what does that say about their personality and their, their um, moral compass? Mm -hmm. 
anyway. It's when kind of it's kind of the the darker side of competitiveness, right? It I is mean, so competitive yeah. that you know it's you know anything goes. And, you know that's certainly not. Yeah, obviously I not mean, the answer. We, I mean, we were having a discussion off air about um, you know young entries and uh, and where I've seen that you know people have been uh, people have masqueraded as young uh, <laughs> photographers <laughs> just to try and win a prize. Yeah, it, it happens. It happens. You you know, when you run a photography competition, expect the unexpected because whatever you think people, however low people, you, you don't think people will stoop. They do. Mm. And, and, and that's, you know, well, we shouldn't get bogged down with that because it's a rather negative thing to talk yeah. about. But it does happen. And, and as an organizer, it's really tough, actually. I mean, I do feel for you know, for these situations where you've got something like the anteater, for example, or the wolf jumping the gate, which is another great oh, example. Right. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah that was I, great, wasn't it? There was like a piece of me and it jumped over, I think. Yeah. yeah. And, and well, it, it was a pet. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. It was a pet and, um, wow. or, a yeah, well, maybe not a pet, but it was, you know, it certainly wasn't a wild animal as had been claimed. So, yeah. Uh, and it gives it gives wildlife photographers a bad name in general. I mean, I, I've had images where I would post and I would get comments privately um, through social media or through my website. And, it, oh, that's too good to be true. What did you do to get that image? Well, no, I mean, you, yeah, I worked hard at the image. I planned the, you know, so and it, yeah. it so happened that way. But, you know, it, you don't want to get to a point where every image you see, there's this doubt. Oh, well, that had to be baited or there was some audio call blaring or there was some sort of manipulation here. It's mm -hmm. too good to be true. And that, you know, it lowers the standard. You know, uh, I've that's, seen that. that's that's and one of the things that's one of the things that I actually don't enjoy Yeah, is is, you know, having to think that way, you know, having to look at things, uh, you know, and, and we, we did call something out last year. It was glaringly obvious in the end that I knew there was there was one particular image of something isn't quite right about this. Mm. You know, and when I looked at the technical settings and what the image was of, um, I thought this can't this can't possibly have been taken like this because the shutter speed wasn't fast enough to capture what was captured in the way it was anyway. So I worked out what had happened because it just something about it just didn't look right. And actually when I looked at it closely, yeah, what I had thought was the case was the case and and it's it, that's really disappointing yeah you know it did yeah, anyway let, let's not dwell on that let's not dwell on <laughs> so look at the rules everybody look at the rules do it do it you know make sure you go through them meticulously because the last thing you want is to do really well and then find you've just clipped some rule somehow or other and you know you i mean the thing is you you've you've been you know, you've had that disappointment yourself, haven't you? Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> yeah. And sometimes it's interpretation too. I had an image that was going to be selected in a contest and it was a very well-known popular contest that I, most people know. And the image was actually commended in another contest a few years ago, but the rules read that if an image was awarded uh, in a previous contest, it would be disqualified. It was a commended image. It wasn't awarded a prize. So I assumed that it was okay because mm -hmm. it was commended and it didn't win a prize, but awarded did mean commended, you know, or anything recognized, if you will. So th there's interpretation there too. So yeah, uh, again, read, read things closely. So yeah, exactly. 
exactly and if in doubt ask yeah you know and i get plenty of emails of people asking me about rules and asking me to clarify things if they're not clear and and that's absolutely fine i have no problem with that i'd rather people did that um because you know it's no 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 problem for me to 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 write back to people and and, and give them some advice so i think this is this is kind of i think we've we've touched on this already but i think one of the big things about competitions is to do something a bit different you know that is if you think in a it's slightly outside the box and think of producing something that you don't think the judges have seen before or or taking something in a way that you don't think has been seen before we're talking about that sort of initial impact again i think that's a really positive thing to to try and focus on um, you know it's just tr try and do something just a little bit different yeah absolutely i i agree and and it's it's challenging right now to come up with something different but that's i guess part of the challenge right uh you know it's so many things have been done but yet i think with the advancement of technology we talked about this in another podcast rob with where cameras are there's more things you can do in the field and there's more opportunities you have i think to catch um catch either you know wildlife or just nature in general in different perspectives in different ways um you know if you can shoot 30 frames a second in low light you're going to get a lot more action than you did years ago or these dynamic moments. So there's more opportunities out there, but you're right. You have to think of something different and finding a way to present images that are impactful or that, you know, maybe it's uh, in the general genre of things that have been chosen in the past, but it's just a slight tweak or a different approach to it that mm. still makes it fresh. So um, there's different ways to approach it. But, it. but it's like anything, isn't it? I mean, when you think of the basis of music, you know how many basic chords are there mm. you know but how many you know sort of different um you know sort of interpretations and how many you know ways that those those sort of notes and chords are put together in a different way make things stand out but yeah. effectively they're using the the you know the same the same building blocks they're just putting them in you know different places and in slightly different ways and so they're always thinking of, you know, musicians are always thinking of new things. There's always groundbreaking music, as we sort of talked about a little bit earlier. So it's the same with photography. I mean, just look at it that way. I mean, you know, we're, we're all we're all using the same building blocks. It's just we can put them together slightly differently. I think, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's just it's just a question of being inventive. It's, uh, you know, and and sort of tapping into that sort of artistic side of your personality and. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's, I, you know, when you when you look at all this sort of amazing photography that's coming into these competitions these days, as we talked about earlier, I just I find it inspiring. You can I, you can look at it as being intimidating, if you like. Personally, I look at it as being inspiring. And, you know, I, I see where the benchmark is, you know, and I, I just think, oh, you know, can I compete with that? Yes, I can. Or I can try to at least. You know, will I, you know, do I enter a lot of competitions myself? No. Have I done well in competitions in the past? Generally not. But, you know, it's been the odd, odd one or two along the way. Um, but I just think you just need to be so different. Yeah. But it's it's within all of us. We all have, okay, you know, some of us might have a better camera than the next person. But we, we talked about this in, in one of the other podcasts. It's not the camera in your hands necessarily. You know, it's what you have between your ears and the way that you look at things is that's the creative side of it. The camera is just the tool. It's just yeah. the tool. 
a, a camera can put you in the right place at the right time in the field. It can't compose for you. There's certain things it can do, but um, it's not everything. And when it comes to the importance of what makes a good image, um, it helps on the fringes, but not yeah. at the core of it. I, I totally agree. Yeah. So I think that's a good place to leave it. We've been going for about an hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we probably won't edit this down too much hours. either because I think it's been pretty good. Uh, Josh, thank, thanks a lot. I hope I hope sort of people have uh, you know have really got something from this, um, and it's given a, a bit of a. It, but it's been a very honest and frank insight, actually, into competitions, both from you know from uh, somebody who's very seasoned in 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 entering them, uh, and is obviously a judge for Wild Art, i.e., Josh, and and from me, who you know, and I've been as people will know, I've been involved in running them for for many years now, both with Wild Art and obviously Bird Photographer of the Year before that. So, you know, I the whole point of this podcast was to give, you know, an honest and frank, um, well, just to have an honest and frank discussion, you know, about competitions um, to give you some sort of guidance on perhaps, you know, getting more out of them if, if, you're thinking of entering them or you've been entering them and perhaps, you know, haven't had the success that you'd, you'd like. So I hope that, you know, that there will be a few takeaways from this for, for people to, 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 you know, perhaps improve the chances or I don't know, improve their photography even. I mean, it's, that's what this podcast is all about is so if you can take one or two things away from it, as we said before, then, uh, then I think we've, 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 we've done the job that we set out to do. So um, Josh, thanks very much for, for, for your time what's um what's next for you what what's what oh in terms of photography i, I can yeah. say it's all about fall color right now so we're uh, i was just in northern pennsylvania this past weekend photographing waterfalls actually not animals though which is a, a nice relief uh, some fungi uh waterfalls you know foliage is peak up there right now and now i'm back at my house on the eastern shore of maryland and probably a week week and a half out from peak so i'm just chasing fall color right now yeah. it's, it's a beautiful time to be in the Northeast United States, fall and spring are special. So uh, trying to get out as much as possible these next couple of days. Yeah. Well, I, I had a, had a couple of days away in Wales um, a couple of weeks ago, which was, which was really good. Um, <clears throat> didn't get a lot of photography done, but I did spend some time on the beach and we mm. had some, we had some amazing light. So we, yeah, it was just, I think I had uh, common turn and I had, Carrying crow and oyster catchers, which you'll, which you'll know, which you'll, but you'll know the oyster catchers are one of my favourites. And I, I had, I tell you a funny story. <laughs> well, it wasn't very funny actually. I was quite annoyed. <laughs> I, it's, this has happened to me before. I'm sure it's happened to you. I was lying on the beach, photographing these oyster catchers, and the tide was coming in. Mm -hmm. So I've been lying there for like half an hour, and the tide was bringing them closer and closer and closer to me. And there was this always lovely surf, and the light was great. And then just at the point, I thought, oh, I'm, I'm going to get some killer shots here. Of course, what happened? Our, our four-legged friends came <laughs> along with their, with their owners. Oh, I thought uh, you got so the birds, <laughs> Plus the birds. And, <laughs> yeah. and all I got was, oh, sorry. We're really sorry. And I, I got up and walked away without saying anything. I just, yeah, that's not, You know, I just, just have to do that. Anyway. Uh, and then I came across a common one of the last actually was a juvenile common turn mm -hmm. and it was what must have been one of the last birds you know um of the of, of the autumn before it left 
you know, for the sunny. That I have here just left in the last week, actually. Come to think yeah. Of it. That's right. So um, that happens when the dog, it's even worse when, you know, they, the dog comes by and they, you know, the bird gets chased away and then they ask, uh, Oh, so what are you photographing? Well, <laughs> I'm photographing. Yeah. You just chased away. Yeah. You see that bird over there on the horizon. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was photographing. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we had, so, I had some fun doing that and, uh, yeah, I got some got some sort of nice pictures. We're going back actually. Jen and I are going back uh, in a week's time. Oh, sweet! Um, and we're going back to uh, back to Pembrokeshire, and yeah, so that and I know that is close to a really good sort of oak woodland and and all. Oh, it's just going to be amazing with the autumn colour and the yeah the fungi there, and then the birds on the coast and oh, it's it's going to be brilliant. And the last time we stayed at this place, I had. Um, house sparrows you know all you know in, in the in the backyard and it was and they oh it's just great it was lovely sort of backlighting and things i had a i had a great time so i'm really looking forward to going back the, the there back again the backlighting sounds nice but i can tell you not many people in the u.s will say that they're they're enjoying house sparrows in the back well we have plenty here we may want to yeah. give back but uh yeah well it's, it, it's a bit like that in the starlings isn't it Oh yeah, house sparrows are tough. I, I have uh, bluebird houses, eastern bluebird houses uh, on my property, and they compete with the house sparrows. And the house sparrows are just tough. You know, uh, they always beat up on the bluebirds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, well, I, bit, you I, know, but to the starlings that have this, they've been declining in the UK. Yeah, well, we have plenty of those. So yeah, uh, no, there's something it's... something they like over here a little bit more in the New World. It seems like. Yeah, no, it's weird, isn't it? It's it's funny how things work out. But uh, anyway, yeah. well, yeah, thanks very much, Josh. Thanks for that. Hopefully, you know, everybody got took something away from from that podcast, and uh, uh, we'll have to think about what we we do next time. Certainly, a few subjects cropped up there that we could we could <laughs> investigate, and and we're also sort of trying to line up a few guests as well. So uh, maybe we'll get a guest on next time. But uh, anyway, Josh, thanks a lot, and um, you know, uh, thanks everybody for listening. And uh, we'll uh, we'll see you all again next time. Thanks all. Thanks, Rob. You have been listening to the Wildlife Photography Podcast. If you have enjoyed the content, then please help us to spread the word by sharing a link on your social media platforms, giving us a like, and leaving us a comment. See you all again next time.